Lift off. We did it. Yeah, the crowd goes wild. <laughs> Bring this in. <clears throat> oh, man. Oh, my gosh. You're about to talk to the clones. What's up, clones? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't listened to him in so long. I don't Meme. know why that just popped into my head. Oh, <laughs> man. Aaron Rodgers is <laughs> the best quarterback ever. He's the best. <laughs> I like when he just pauses and then repeats himself again. Yes. It, and he's like, all like, right, I just killed 15 <sighs> seconds. Perfect. <laughs> it's like a parody of sports talk radio. But at the same time, I mean, he is uber successful, so I guess it works. Yeah. Apparently, um... Uh, what's his name? The the guy in Miami. I always forget his name. Um, but he does... Uh, hi, is it Highly Questionable? No, that's not the show. Hmm, I'm not sure. What's the name? At first, I thought, at first I thought you were about to rip on Dan Cilio. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I'm always down for that. No. Um, but it's... What's his name? And he has his dad on, and his dad's like Cuban. Oh, I don't know. I'm not familiar with this at all. Oh, hang on. Highly questionable with Dan Dan Lebertard. Oh, Lebertard, that's right. The Lebertard show. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So apparently he is more, like, I, I have, and I haven't watched it because I just haven't watched ESPN in quite a while, but um, uh-huh. as I as I uh, uh, smell the smug that comes, that comes <laughs> I haven't watched ESPN in quite a while. Um, but, uh, but apparently he is more of, like, the making fun of... Like, they, they, I guess they just argue about, like, ridiculous, inane things that re- with regards to sports. Like, it'll be, like, important sports topic, and then they'll just, like, argue, like, faux-argue just something ridiculous yeah. in regards to... Okay, I could, I could, I could, uh... That's honestly better. I could get behind because that, the, yeah. I just really don't like... I feel like the last time I listened regularly to sports talk radio was before I moved to L.A., because I was driving around San Diego enough, and before getting really deep into podcasting. And that was right around when I was like, are the Chargers going to leave? Are they not? And it was just like, I am so sick of this topic. But I mean, they would just talk about it every single day. Every single day. And it would be the most exaggerated bit of info. They would take any kernel and just exaggerate it into like, this is the end of the world. And it's like, I am so sick of this. And I literally haven't listened to Sports Talk Radio since, I guess that would be like late 2015. Yeah. Yeah. It was... Thankfully, I was out here, but it's like it's not that much better in Phoenix either because there's, like, there's three stations, which is great, but like one of them is a lot more local, AM ten sixty, and they, they, I can tolerate them. Like they'll do baseball talk from time to time, but the other two, it's like Cardinals, NFL, all the time, all day, and it's like uh-huh. no matter no matter who's playing, um, they're just like, all right, well, we've got guys who know how to talk about football, and so we're going to talk about football. Yeah, and I can only handle so much. So. Especially when the team is bad, then it's just excruciating. <laughs> and the charges are always bad, so. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's so true. It's very true. Um, that, that could have led into my Padres rant, but, I mean, my Chargers rant, but. Uh, um, I was trying to tee it up. I was I wondering know, if you were going to take I know. the bait. I know. I felt it. I was like, oh, should I do it? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm just, like, it's, I'm I, uh, they won today. They beat the Bills, but um, I feel like everyone should. Like the, 
God. The Bills might be worse than the Browns last year, quite honestly. Like, it's it's very Oof. bad. A player retired at halftime. I think it was Vontae <laughs> Davis retired at halftime and was just like, nope, I'm done. And, like, left the stadium before the game was over, which is um, rather amazing. I've never That's seen incredible, that. actually. Yeah. It, it's like the equivalent of when people talk about quitting work and they just throw their papers up in the air and walk out the office. That's what he did. Yeah, yeah. He was just like, "I'm done. I'm gonna go home. I I could have I could have uh, you know stayed in bed today and instead I'm playing for this garbage team." But um, yep. yeah, I don't know. It's it, it because and I think what what keeps making me so angry is I've been listening to like fantasy uh, fantasy football podcasts, like different football podcasts, trying to get like reinformed for the season um just mm-hmm. like catching up on stuff and it's so funny now that i'm not a fan of the chargers to hear like the same arguments that used to get me so hyped up which is the like you guys the chargers have so much talent look at this roster it's such a talented <coughs> roster there's so much talent on paper here there's no way that the chargers talent wise shouldn't win the division and then every every year Four people are on IR before, like, the first preseason game is over. Like, other key people are injured. Uh, Joey Bose is already out with a foot injury. Uh, Hunter Henry Seems like a nagging injury, too. Yeah, nag. And you know it's going to be, like, he'll be questionable for nine oh, of the, of course. you know, 17 weeks and out for some of them. And um, and the play calling will be bad. When he plays, it will mm. be incredible. It'll be a flash of brilliance. That's what the Chargers do. It's like they have gems that play sporadically. They have excellent coached games twice a year. It, oh, man. It's just, it feels like being free, not having to actively root for that team anymore. Like, legitimately, Sundays are so much better without that stress. Oh, 100%. I was watching the Chiefs-Steelers game this morning, and I was, like, enjoying watching Pat Mahomes crush the Steelers. Um, and it was, I was just totally fine. Yeah, I'm like, oh, way to go, Pat Mahomes. And generally, if I was a Chargers fan, I'd be like, fuck you, Pat Mahomes. <laughs> like, yeah, it'd be jealousy. <laughs> just, like, pure seething envy just ruining it for you. But now you can just enjoy the sport as much as you can, at least. So. Yeah. Uh, and I can so, still... So happy can... to be free of that. Oh, yeah, and I can still enjoy the, the Raiders' misery no matter what, just because I personally oh, enjoy when teams are incompetent or make incompetent moves. Um, so, you know, that, that that I can still keep going with, which is great. Um, but, but, yeah, it's just it's so frustrating to see other people get sucked into it, and I'm like, no, you guys, they're going Trust to us. end at 7-9 and nine or 6-10, and 10, and everyone's going to be like, what happened? The Chargers, I don't know, they just never got anything together. Maybe Anthony Lynn's not a good coach. They should change their coordinators. Oh, special teams was bad. What happened to their strength and conditioning coaches? Everyone's injured. The problem starts at the top. It starts with the Spanos family. This team will not be successful until the Spanos family sells the team. Like, straight up, it's just they just keep bringing in the same garbage people to, like, help run the organization who don't know what they're doing or are unqualified and, like... It's just the same thing all the time. It's been the same, like, ugh, just for so many years. For so many years. Ever, ugh. Even with Marty, like, even with Schottenheimer, it was, uh, there There still wasn't, it wasn't great. Like, it was, he had some really, really good seasons, but you never felt supremely confident. <laughs> yeah, uh, so. no, that's exactly right. I mean, the perfect example is 14-2, and two, and you're like, man, 14-2, and two, and literally just dreading that first playoff game because of all the previous history that tells you we're going to mess this up and sure enough they did mess that up yeah 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 
It's, and, you know, it's uh, who knows when they'll be back in that position again. It's, uh, I, I, I don't know. I feel like Tom Brady will have to retire. And then, uh, who knows, Pat Mahomes might just be, you know, the new Tom Brady by then. We'll see. He certainly looks like a stud. I mean, only two games, plus whatever preseason he played. I did not watch any, but two regular season games, he looks pretty legit. Yeah. And also, uh, and I know this is an unpopular opinion, and, you know, I've had many great memories watching him, but... Philip Rivers is just too much like Brett Favre to, like, bring a team to a Super Bowl win. And I know that sounds weird because Brett Favre does have a Super Bowl win, but, like, at this point, like, we've just seen enough, like, interceptions in the end zone and, like, interceptions at the worst time and fumbles at the worst time that uh, I just, I don't think it's going to happen at this point, guys. We might just have to wait and, you know, I, I say we because it's still like, it's still like remnants, but you guys might just have to yeah. wait until I was gonna say, there's take, another quarterback. Take the piece of advice, people, and get off the bandwagon. Yeah. If there is a bandwagon. Like just, just don't even, don't hop on. We know how this story ends. Yeah. I feel like there are no San Diego true Charger fans that really follow them to LA. So if anyone is listening that lives in LA, just go to the Rams, go to something else. You deserve better. Hundred percent, yeah. Rams are a much better, a much better option, uh, for sure. Um, and plus, hey, look, they got LeBron now, so they can just like jerk off about the Lakers all the time. Yeah, there you go. That's all you need. That's all you need. Uh, all right. Well, I guess we should get into it then. Um, excuse me. Uh, welcome back to another episode. I uh, hope you enjoyed that um, rousing Chargers discussion. Uh, but welcome back. To another episode of Dads Talking Dads. This is a Padres podcast. Weirdly enough, even with all that, uh, even with all that wonderful Chargers talk, um, we are back again for another week. The Padres are sixty and ninety. I like when um, the numbers are easily divisible. It just makes me happy. Uh, and only twenty-two and a half games out of first place. We've really been in that like nineteen to twenty-two games out of first place, which I think might mean we're playing five hundred ball lately. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> that shows how much I've been following lately in the, in the ends of the dog days of summer. Uh, and there are only 12 games left in the season, just a, a couple weeks left. My, how the time has flown. Uh, I am Johnny and with me, uh, for another week, it is Tony. Tony, how's it going? Hey Johnny, doing pretty good. Always good to vent about the Chargers. I feel like Although the wounds have been healed, we've all moved on. I feel like most people have moved on. It's always good to just rip them open again and just get into the shit. Just let's do it. <laughs> but for real, uh, talking about the Padres, uh, yeah, you are correct. Uh, the last few episodes I've been updating the show notes that we use, and they have literally been right around 22 to 22 and a half the past almost two months. So maybe 500 ball, or maybe the division is just beating the crap out of each other and nobody is really getting the leg up. But 60 and 90, I think we will avoid a 100 loss season, which small victories? Yeah, I think we should. I think we should avoid it. So that's, yeah, that is nice. They'd have to go 2 and 10, which would be a really depressing way to close Mm. out the season. I think our pitching is too good to allow that to happen. I hope so. Um, going back, so going back to uh, the the ripping open the wound about the Chargers, 
Um, oftentimes oh, yes. we talk about our fandoms as like it's our you know it's our relationship with the team. So I feel like in that sense, it's like us just you know reminiscing on the shitty on our shitty ex, just being like, God, you remember that asshole? Oh, he was the worst. And now other people like him. Uh, and then you're just like, I can't believe they're falling for his bullshit. It's just going to end poorly. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies, you know what's up, right? <laughs> it, it does sound like that. That's a perfect analogy. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, well, thankfully, you know, the Padres, even though they are 60 and 90, uh, they're just, they're, they treat us better than that, Tony. So they, uh, uh, it's been, while, you know, again, while we're out of it, uh, there's, there's been some excitement lately in, in some of the games that, uh, that have been going on. I know, for instance, today, we were talking about it earlier. Uh, again, it is Sunday, September 16th, if I didn't say that in the intro. But uh, today, for instance, uh, we came back, and according to my MacBook, it's 6 o'clock. Um, it, it tells me every hour on the hour what time it is, which is, um, I think I set that up for my wife just as like a fun thing. <laughs> She's just like, no, I kind of like it now. It's, it really it helps me like not get lost in what I'm doing. So I'm glad I did it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, today Francisco Mejia hit a walk-off grand slam in the bottom of the ninth. Um, I believe Galvis hit the game tying double. And then, That's right. uh, and yeah, and then, and then Mejia first pitch he saw, uh, pulled it over the left field wall and walk off grand slam, which those are, uh, I mean, other than like, you know, perfect games and stuff like that, but just as far as like a single play, those are maybe my favorite single plays in baseball is the walk off grand slam. It's, it's tough to beat that. Yeah. I mean, it is up there with some of the best moments of the season. I think, uh, one of my previous favorite moments was when uh, Castillo made his debut against the Reds and struck out the side, starting with Joey Votto. And it, it's just exciting to see a young player come in and just have an immediate impact like that. I know this wasn't Mejia's like first at bat or something, but to just see something so immediate in September when the point is to call up young talent and see what they have. Oh, and he has a pretty swing. Man, he is fun to watch. It's going to make for a really interesting conversation in the offseason with him and Hedges, and I'm sure we will dive into it deeper when we get to that point. But for now, it is just fun to watch him swing. He is, he seems like the real deal. Yeah, absolutely. If, if, I, remember, if I remember correctly, uh, in a previous article, he was saying that uh, Pudge Rodriguez was his, like, uh, idol, basically, growing up. And wow. I could definitely see that kind of, like, just... With the way that he approaches the game, and even a little bit uh, of of his stance as well, um, yeah, he, he just he looks very comfortable in there. Um, he, he doesn't look like, um, yeah, I mean, he, he just looks he looks like he belongs, which is which is great to see from a guy who's what twenty two, I think twenty three. Yeah, it's it's crazy, young, crazy young. Him and uh, Urias, who we will talk about in a minute here. Uh, I think he is 21, 22. It's just, there was an article that came out this last week, actually, that ranked all the MLB teams uh, by age of their starting players, starting rotation, and uh, if they had a DH, uh, their DH. And the Padres were the youngest. And I think the average age was like 25 and a half or something, maybe 27 and a half. But either way, they were the youngest. And uh, reading through it and reading some of the ages, you kind of forget like Eric Hosmer is only 27 or 28 Will Myers is only 27 or 28 you just really get a sense of wow this team is really young there's so much potential they can still be tapped into um 
it's exciting. Yeah, absolutely, and especially when you consider that uh, historically, players will hit start hitting their like their their real peak at around twenty seven, or they'll have statistically yeah. maybe their best season around that twenty seven twenty eight year. Um, so a lot of these guys, you know, have have uh, quite a few good years, um, quite a few good years ahead of them, which is which is which is really exciting. Um, I know in addition to that Mejia game today. I believe it was um, earlier this week, <coughs> the bullpen struck out nine in a row, um, which was another kind of just exciting highlight from an, from an earlier game in the week, um, which is, I mean, again, with all those young guys that we've got in the bullpen, I think it was four guys combined to strike out, um, to strike out nine hitters, which, um, did you happen to catch any of that, or did you see the highlight of that? I didn't see the highlight. I saw the, uh, I saw it on Reddit after, like, I think it was a, uh... Bob Scanlon tweeted about it and it got put up on Reddit. And I want to say it was uh, not only a new franchise record, but some kind of record across all clubs. And someone uh, said this, so I can't take full credit, but I think we all think this as Padres fans. When you see something like that going up, you think, oh man, we're on the receiving end of that. Oh, we're on the receiving (laughs) end of this historic, perfect game or this no-hitter or whatever. So to be... uh, on the the right side of history, so to speak. And not only that, but with a strength that I feel like the Padres usually have a good leg up on with the bullpen. I feel like we always have a good bullpen at worst and a great bullpen most of the time. So to see something really shine through with, again, a lot of young guys in the bullpen is... Uh, it's, a, it's what I want to see in September. I mean, I... We're 60 and 90. Yeah, that sucks. Like we've kind of known the season is going to be a losing season for a while since probably mid June after they got out of that win streak and then started to show what the the real team looked like. But as long as young guys are coming up and producing, uh, that's that's what I want to see. Two years when they really develop and hit like 25, 26, 27, and your whole team is around that age along with a few veterans. That's that's a winning blueprint, so to speak. So uh, liking what I see from a lot of young guys right now. Yeah, absolutely. And one young guy in particular, um, <clears throat> probably the most exciting young guy that we've seen this season, although maybe Mejia might change that since he's still playing, uh, is uh, Luis Urias, which, uh, and I've decided at this point that I'm just going to call him Urias. Wait, U- Urias? There we go. Urias, if I if I figure it out here. Um, and, you know, just based on my living in San Diego for 22 years, you know, having family that lives in Mexico, I'm just going to go with my instincts on this, and I'm going to say that I'm right, Don Orcio is wrong, and it's Urias. Um, <laughs> and if I get That's corrected, probably a safe bet. Yeah, that, that's what I was thinking about. It, I was like lying in bed, you know, because I lose sleep over this kind of stuff, and I was lying in bed, and yes. I was like, you know what? I'm pretty sure I'm right. <laughs> I mean... I'm, I'm usually good at this stuff. Donnie is far from an expert. There's, I mean, there's a pretty good chance that you know more than him about this, so that's, that's probably right. fair. That's what I'm guessing. So, uh, unfortunately, uh, Luis Urias was injured. He injured his, I want to say, hamstring. I read the tweet yeah. a couple days ago. Um, and it really more of a precautionary thing at this point with so few games left in the season, and, and that was mostly what, what Andy Green was saying, is just not a, lot, not a lot of time left in the season, no real reason to rush him back, um, especially, you know, obviously we, we can all kind of understand why. Um, but unfortunately, he is gone for the rest of the season, so that is one 
a very exciting um, young player that we were able to see for at least a little bit, um, who unfortunately we'll have to wait to see more of uh, next season. Uh, what are your thoughts on this, Tony? I think it's the right call. I think just thank God it wasn't something worse, like Achilles or a torn knee uh, tendon or something like that. Just, I mean, watching it, I didn't watch it live, but watched it right after, uh, just seeing like Twitter kind of, Padres Twitter kind of blow up about it, like, oh man, he's on the ground. Just like, oh no, I have to see the video right now. And the video does look worse than what it actually is because he holds up before he even hits the first base bag and then kind of hobbles and then like rolls onto the ground. So it was very scary watching it. I think uh, people know by now that he was my most anticipated player like this season. I was constantly thinking, uh, when is he going to come up? When is he going to come up? Come on, let's see him. Let's see him. When he finally gets up and produces and it's fun to watch, to see a player like that go down is really scary but that being said if it's a pulled hamstring even though that can be kind of a nagging injury that is a nuisance to deal with going into the off season i am okay with that i completely agree with andy green that he should be sat down just rest up there is no reason to try and rush him back into september games there's no reason for him to even try and like pinch hit or do anything just rest we will see you in spring training and i am 99.9% positive he's going to be the starting second baseman next year. So rest up and get that thing healed. Yeah, 100%. You know, as much as we enjoyed watching him this season, it just, yeah, like you said, no reason to no reason to push it. Um, he's definitely got that spot locked down for next season. No reason to think that, that he wouldn't. Um, and, you know, just, again, you know, hope, hope he feels better soon and uh, keep working out, and, and we're excited to see him next season. Um, but, uh, but moving on to, you know, some of the, um, the other guys who are now up, um, now that the September call-ups have occurred, uh, uh, there are some, you know, some, some new guys on the roster. Um, I know notables were Javi Guerra, um, Kaz Makita, Colton Brewer, Brad Week or Wick. Uh, we're still trying to get a uh, pinpoint on that one. Um, I know Guerra was projected to play next to uh, Urias. I know they were going to try and, um, you know, ha have those two together, which is exciting just because, again, you know, two two young players um, looking at a hypothetical future there. Um, sounds like now maybe Guerra and Galvis will kind of um, be playing second and short here and there. Um, Oh man, that was a big old truck. <laughs> yeah, I tried to mute it in time, but that's okay. He, it was awesome. He was too time. fast. <laughs> he was like, <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, Gara's up. Uh, Kaz, the elevator. Makita's up. Colton Brewer, Bradley Wick, Week, Wyke. Who knows? Um, too many confusing games any, uh, on this team. Come on. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, any, do any of those uh, any of those names excite you, or has there been anyone that you've maybe been looking forward to see out of that list? Uh, I have been excited about Guerra, mostly because uh, if I remember correctly, I think he projects as a uh, defensive player. I'm not sure about the bat, and yes. if that's the case, it kind of feels like a cheaper Freddie Galvis. I'm not going to go ahead and say that he is the exact caliber of Galvis because we don't even know what he can produce at the MLB level yet. But I do know that Galvis is making, what is he making, five, six million this year, something like that. And his, uh, he hits free agency after this season. So there's going to be a little bit of a conversation for the Padres to have on whether they want to 
bring Galvis back? Do they want to sign another veteran shortstop? Or do they want to just give Guerra that spot to kind of see how he sticks with the obvious uh, albatross on the horizon of Tatis? I mean, there's no way you put someone there long-term to stop his development. I don't think, at least, unless they plan on shipping him out, which would be pretty infuriating, if I'm being honest. <laughs> I, I, want, I want to see that guy play for us. I do not want to see him traded. But... Uh, so I think Guerra is probably the most exciting name just because he, uh, I like defensive, uh, really nice defensive players. I like having a good defensive uh, infield. So I, anything that kind of, uh, ups our defensive value is good in my eyes. I really like, like you said, seeing him play across from, I will just call him Louise because I know how to say his first name definitively. Uh, seeing him play next to Louise would have been nice, but I mean, seeing him next to play Playing next to Galvis is also pretty cool. Um, as for the other names, Mikita, oh, he has been a disappointment this year. I think everyone would agree. He's been in AAA most of the year because he just could not produce at the MLB level, which is disappointing. And as far as uh, Brewer and Weekwick, I don't know enough about them. We were talking pre-show about uh, Brad Wick's size i did not know that he was would you six nine two fifty or something yeah, yeah six nine two fifty five was the was the numbers on baseball reference i believe or that.com he's a monster that is giant i a couple of weeks ago we were talking about winginter and how huge he was and now i gotta see him stand next to wick i gotta see i want to see wick on the far left winginter in the middle then castillo next to him and then Luis next yes. to all of them. <laughs> yes. Totally. Just these three giant. Oh, and uh, put Franimal in there too. Uh, yeah, he's a big dude too. Just these huge guys, and then uh, Luis in there. But uh, yeah, I don't know enough about Brewer and Wick. Uh, glad that they're called up right now, though, because it is something that uh, we need to see. Uh, Brewer is he a bullpen arm? Uh, yes. Okay. So I mean. Kind of interesting. I feel like our bullpen is not crowded because I feel like there's a lot of flexibility there. You can move players in the offseason. I think a lot of people have been kind of talking about Strom trying out for the uh, starting rotation next year, which I'm totally on board with. I think he has earned a shot in the spring and maybe early season at least. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how Brewer and Wick fit in. I think Wick is one of the more touted names in the farm, is he not? I know Brewer is kind of like a borderline, maybe a quad A type player, but isn't Wick a touted prospect? Um, he's, I, I think because he's not, I want to say he's like 26, so he's not like uh, um, as highly touted, but like, but, uh, like he's not, yeah, yeah, it looks like he had 26, he's going to be 27 next month, um, but uh, but like he's he's perfor- he's performed well um, for us since we've had him. So like in that sense, like the the um, like stories about him and stuff like that have been positive. Like the team's you know excited to see um, to see what he can do in the majors. So he's done well in the minors, um, but he's just um, like a little older as far as prospects go. But you know, okay, he's done well. In- interesting. Um- Speaking again on the youth, it feels like all of our bullpen guys are really young except for Stammen and Yates. Am I right? I don't think anybody else even touches 30. 
Yeah, I mean, Makita, but I don't, oh, I don't Makita, really that's count right. Makita a lot just yeah. because he's probably gone after this season and he's been up and down so much. But, but yeah. yeah, that's about it. I mean, yeah, Weak Wick is, is uh, uh, <laughs> Weak Wick. Maybe his new his name nickname. is Weak Wick. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, Weak, I'll show you Weak, bitch. I'm 6'9". <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, I think he's even one of the older guys. You know, he's, he's only going to be uh, yeah. 27, but... But yeah, everyone else is yeah twenty six, twenty five, twenty three. So, good problem to have. <clears throat> good problem to have too many young guys to know what to do with. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's it's nice to have. I just like seeing more lefties up. So because because he is uh, he's another lefty. So we'll have him, Strom, Castillo, a uh, whole lot of lefties. Um, yeah, I, I am just kind of looking through the list too. I would say Guerra as well for me is the guy that I am the most excited about just because I've heard about him for, because he came over in the, um, Kimbrel deal, right? It was, it was him, it was Manny Margot and, uh, someone else. I can't remember. Was it Espinosa? Was it Espinosa? No, no, I thought Espinosa was the Pomeranz deal. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yes. I think it might have been. No, it wasn't Alex Dickerson, was it? Um, but uh, so he came over. Yeah, they came over both those deals. And honestly, early on, Guerra. Well, Margot was more highly touted, but Guerra was pretty well, like pretty highly regarded, mostly because of his defense. Um, it's been the bat that hasn't really come around at all for him, um, and it's honestly been a bit of a concern while he's been in the in the minor leagues. Um, he's generally hit in the low. I'm going to try and look up his, um, his, uh, his, his stats here, but, um, yeah, yeah, he, he's, hasn't hit, um, looks like he's hitting well. 223 in AAA this year. I'm not sure if that is, uh, the entire year, but it yeah, looks like that sounds it. right. That sounds right. Um, That's not great. no, no, it's not. And especially because, no, not that. So yeah, he was yeah he was in the PCL this season, um, hit two twenty three with a two sixty nine on base, which is quite terrible, and a six sixty six OPS. Bad. So I mean, what does that say? That's also very bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, so and and that's honestly generally been the um, been how it's gone. Twenty seventeen across single and double A hit two twenty two. Um, 2016 in A League hit 202. Um, so he has never really been a good hitter, um, and has struck out quite a bit. Um, I was gonna say those strikeout numbers are uh, just the same. He's got 166 strikeouts, uh, 464 plate appearances, and only 27 walks. That yeah. is not encouraging to me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if you so, there's a little there's actually an interesting little stat on the on the Major League Baseball stat page. There's ground outs divided by air outs, um, and he has, for instance, in uh, um, so this season in AAA, one point six three ground outs per air out, which means like he is hitting it in, on the ground all the time when he hits it. So he strikes out a lot, and when he does hit the ball, it's generally on the ground. Um, That's not great again yeah and for someone who's had single digit stolen bases for every single season that he's been in the minors also not good because that's telling me you're not incredibly quick either or at least maybe just not you know the base running type um 
so I, I yeah I I'm I'm hesitant to see how he does um I <laughs> I think this is the put up or shut up for Javi Guerra and if I mean and again the guy's only 22 but uh, I was gonna say devil's advocate he still is only 22 yeah but when you see young. someone stay at the same batting average through all the minors that's generally not a good sign you want to see some form of progression and looking at his stats i don't see it like uh his strikeouts went down and then actually shot back up when he went to triple a which is not encouraging so because i mean it's not going to be any easier at the mlb level so uh we'll see age is a good thing i I know he made a nice grab today a nice little diving grab and again in september that's totally fine it's certainly better than i would rather see him start than Spangenberg or any of these utility Perella. guys because uh, yeah oh god certainly better than Perella but I mean I mean those are known quantities I he may be close to a known quantity looking at his stats but we have to give him the chance you know we can't just write him off before he even starts 100% and especially considering how well our young guys I mean look at like how Renfro's been able to turn it around this season um Hedges looked really bad early on and has I mean he talked about it he's kind of changed his mental approach but um but it seems like you know the the, it seems at least that we have a hitting hitting coaching staff that uh has an idea of what they're doing and is producing some positive results here um I mean apparently they're even you know uh, we'll kind of get to it a little bit later talking about talking to Eric Hosmer about his launch angles so that's exciting um launch angle launch angles so I mean, maybe there's maybe there's hope for Javi Guerra yet. Maybe he just needs that that right uh, you know group of coaching around him. So we'll take maybe a look Haas and needs see. To coach him. Yeah, maybe he does. Maybe he does. A couple um, fellow ground ballers. Exactly. He'll be like, no, no, it's so weird. They told me this last week. Apparently, <laughs> you want to hit it in the air. Who knew? Who knew? And then Javi doesn't speak English, so he doesn't even know what he's saying. Que? Que? <laughs> <laughs> no. Before. To cover myself, I have no idea if he is, uh, if he speaks English or not. I shouldn't just assume. But I know uh, at the beginning of the year, Hosmer was kind of touted as like this, uh, he's not bilingual, but he knows enough Spanish. So it's like, what does that really mean? (laughs) No entiendo. Um, (laughs) It's like, okay, I can go to, I can go to some places and like order off the menu that I wouldn't call myself sort of bilingual. (laughs) So yeah, bro, like, um, burrito, taco, tostada. Yeah, I know carne asada. I know carne asada. <laughs> oh, man. Well, speaking of uh, uh, our uh, wonderful <laughs> first baseman here, I guess we can move on to the discussions of the day. And uh, we'll start with Tony, because I know you wanted to discuss uh, uh, Eric Cosmer a little bit. Yeah, I think uh, you and I are going to talk about him in two different lights, kind of two different uh, discussion topics. But the one that I wanted to talk about was something you directly hinted at, was that uh, there was an article out this week from uh, Kevin Acey that talks about how Hosmer is working on his launch angle. Yay! Something we've long talked about. I mean, even before I was on the pod, just talking with you and Joel, just like, oh my god, he spiked into the ground again. Another double play, just like when he was in his slump, it was painful to watch because it's not a guy who just had bad luck. It was a guy whose swing was bad. And that's not fun to watch at all. It's very painful. And 
there were these rumors about how he wouldn't take hitting advice and generally a really bad situation. And when you look at the contract, it just makes it worse. So it was really negative when he was slumping. And he is still, I would say, underwhelming on the year. So I'm not going to say like, he's turned it around. He's an all-star again. Uh, he still has 250 batting average on the year, which is not great. Um, but that being said, uh, these numbers are a couple days old, so forgive me. But in the month of September, his ground ball percentage is down 17%, and his fly ball percentage is up 15%. Uh, that being said, just so I don't sound like I'm completely sold on Hosmer yet, I believe his ground ball percentage is still around 40%. So, I mean, it's not like he's completely changed the way he approaches the game, but it does seem like there have been some slight improvements. And I just kind of wanted to see what you think about this, Johnny, and do you think it will stick? Do you think it is an adjustment that he has finally given into, or do you think it's something that he's been actively working at all year and has finally found the thing that works? I know in the AC article it kind of talks about, um, Stairs was talking to him about simplifying the approach and just focusing on one piece of his body. I think he's talking about his leg during the kick. Don't worry about the elbow. Don't worry about the hips. You just need to focus on your leg. And uh, Haas kind of chalks up to like, yeah, I finally listened to that advice. And I guess my main discussion topic is why did this take so long? Do you think it is that he was trying and it wasn't working or that he was resistant to the change? I don't know. Yeah, and that's tough to tell. I, you know, I get the feeling that Stairs' advice has probably been pretty constant throughout the entire time because I doubt his you know, coaching philosophy has dramatically changed from the beginning to the end of the season. Um, so I've got to assume that advice was there for, for a good bit of the season. Um, I, I wonder if because Eric Hosmer is far and away the highest paid player on this team and um, probably the most marquee name on, you know, is as far as just well-known name. So maybe they're not in his ear as much, um, you know, just because of that. Uh, not that he seems, you know, unco uncoachable or anything like that. I know sometimes, sometimes there's that, you know, he won't listen to, you know, the, the coaching about his swing change. <coughs> um, but I don't think he's necessarily, you know, uncoachable by any stretch of the imagination. So I don't know, maybe they just weren't talking to him a ton yet and trying to let him figure it out because he's, you know, one of the more veteran players and, um, you know, should have an idea of, of how he needs to go about his job at this point. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's tough to say, like, what, what the issue was or if, uh, yeah, I mean, if, if it was just maybe like a mental thing, like maybe it was just, just mentally, you know, doing something or it was you know, maybe focusing on the wrong thing, and that was why, uh, you know, Steers was talking about simplifying it. Um, and what's interesting is that does sound a lot like the, you know, when Hedges was talking about when he was having his struggles, he was just like, you know, I just kind of simplified it and, like, stopped thinking about so much stuff when I was going up to the plate and, you know, just kind of tried to just, you know, sit back. Um, I know Renfro's kind of talked about that as well, just, like, not... Um, I don't know, just like being more relaxed at the plate, like not thinking about too much, which ideally is what you want to be doing as a hitter. Um, so I'm, it sounds like that's, you know, consistent advice from stairs that is having a positive effect. And I mean, maybe, you know, Hosmer's noticing that, that effect on some of the other guys. I mean, I know, um, you know, obviously Hunter's been doing well the last few, last few months. Um, 
Reyes has uh, not not necessarily that he's been talked he's talked about you know swing change or anything like that, but just you know thinking of guys on the team. But he's been doing well, so um, you know hopefully Hosmer's you know seeing the the positive effect that I think that this this hitting uh, uh, hitting coaching staff is having on the team, and and uh, you know hopefully he's. Uh, uh, listening to a little bit more of that advice. Um, as far as it's sticking, mm, it's hard tough. to say, right? I know, and especially because it's at the end of the season, so it's almost yep. like learning something at the end of the school year, and then you just get yep. like that summer brain drain, and then you come back and just forgot, and you just go back to like what you were doing before. Completely agree. I think uh, I tend to agree with you that I think it is not that he was resistant to change. Uh, call me an optimist or whatever, but I. I really don't see all reports when he was signed was that he pl- he approaches the game the right way. He's the kind of player that coaches love. He's a clubhouse guy, and I just it doesn't fit uh, the narrative of him refusing to work on stuff. Doesn't fit uh, all those traits. Although he has career wise been a ground ball guy, so. It's tough, and there's no way we'll know. It's not like Stairs is going to come out and be like, oh, this was, he was saying fuck off the whole year, and then he finally gave <laughs> in. Like, no one's going to come out and say that, and certainly Hosmer isn't going to come out and say that. He's going to you know, he's gonna talk to press and kind of give as much info as possible for them to stop asking him about it, which I get. I wouldn't want to tell anyone, yeah, I sucked the whole year, and then I finally had to say, hey, I suck, and do something about it. But uh, I hope that it is something that he was just trying, especially like you said with Hedges adjusting his leg kick and Renfro taking a different stance. You would seem to think that it's uh, the coach is telling them, hey, this is how you can change your swing. This is how you individually as a player should change. It's not a uniform like everybody adjusts their leg kick. Like It seems like individual players are making individual adjustments for their game, and it seems to be paying off. Um, I hope it sticks. I... I don't even want to get into the whole like Hosmer uh, down year up year thing. I generally don't believe in that, although his numbers are shockingly consistent in that regard. But uh, so if he heats up next year and he is like a two ninety hitter and hundred plus RBI or whatever, I don't know if I'm going to be like, oh well, it was the it was the year. But I also don't know if I'm going to be like, oh, it was that swing change he made late last year. Uh, it, th- there are too many variables to say definitively what it is, but if we see the ground ball percentage consistently down and just maybe 10 to 15 more percent fly balls, I think that is a good sign because eventually those fly balls are going to drop in for double. It's going to get past the wall every once in a while, add a couple, maybe two to five homers a year. That'd be nice, but uh, only time will tell. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It'll be it'll uh, it'll be interesting to see next year. It, it would be kind of funny if he does have a monster year again, just to just to keep that narrative going. As long as he does well again in twenty twenty, and then that's the thing. The narrative <laughs> is, is it worth having the good year when the Padres are? I, I personally think still not close enough to talk about contention next year. I'm yeah. referring to, but I think twenty twenty is a pretty realistic window. And then if he has a down year, then then it's like oh. Actually, if he but, has a down year in 2020, yeah. I think that might lead into your conversation topic. Yeah, oh, yeah that. Oh, oh, that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah, that's true. It, I, I stepped on your transition. That was that was perfect. Sorry, that was a, that was a great segue, Tony. I'm sorry. It still counts. <laughs> you hit it. You chopped it at the knees, but then it crawled across the finish line. <laughs> <laughs> like the Black Knight. <laughs> yeah, it can't be brought down. <laughs> Oh 
Oh, man. Well, yeah, that, and that, uh, so if he does have a down year in 2020, that could potentially lead into uh, my idea discussion topic today, which uh, is, is there a world in which Eric Hosmer is not our starting first baseman when this team starts making a deep playoff push? Uh, so, and again, because, you know, Hosmer's been doing well recently, but I've been wondering, because as many of us have been, just been a little disappointed this season uh, by his performance. I've enjoyed his defensive performance. Um, just offensively, it hasn't been exactly where I would like it to be. Um, and we have a lot of very good young players. So it prompted, and that, that you know, young players that are still in the minors ready to come up are on their way. And so I was wondering, you know, is there a world in, in, in which he might not be our starting first baseman in, say, the 2021 season, for instance? Um, and the impetus for this idea was mostly because of a guy that we have in AA this season who is 21 years old. He is a, uh, he is a big dude, and he is very strong. And his name is Josh Naylor. Um, uh, that's exactly where I thought you were going with it and yeah. where I hoped you were going with it. Yep. 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 So he, um, he's 21 year old lefty. Uh, he was drafted by the Marlins in 2015. He was a 12th overall pick in the draft. Um, so, you know, high, uh, high pedigree draft selection. <coughs> um, I say he's a big guy. He, uh, at least as far as fan graphs is concerned, they say he's 5'11", 250. Um, so he is, uh, he's a round boy. Yeah. Yeah. But that being said, he has been um, – he's actually been um, taking some fly balls and playing in, the, in left field a little bit um, in addition to playing first base. So I know he's been kind of um, getting in more of an outfielder's shape. Uh, so he might that, – that number, uh, that weight might slim down a little bit. So he kind of – but, but yeah, he is uh, – <coughs> excuse me. Uh, yeah, he is, he is a big fella. Kind of reminds me of like Prince Fielder maybe. I was going to say, um, that's the immediate comparison in my mind as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, just looking at his, um, um, looking at his fan graphs, you know, numbers here, he's got 70 raw power. So a future value 50, um, ETA of 2020. Um, so, and he, uh, the reason that I was kind of, you know, thinking about him is because he has had a phenomenal uh, season at the plate in, in AA. Um, so in... Uh, just kind of, I guess, more background on him just to, uh, you know, talk about kind of why I've been excited about him this season. So he is, um, as you might expect, um, very powerful, uh, but doesn't always necessarily get the barrel of the bat on the ball. Um, he's generally had a low walk percentage, under 10%. Um, he had, uh, you know, generally around like eight, seven, eight, nine right around there. Um, there were some small sample sizes earlier in his career where it was like two or three or about five or six. Um, but he's, he's, he's definitely made some strides since then. Um, but generally as a K percentage in the teens, it was actually at 20% last year in double a. Um, and so they, the Padres sent him back to double a this season, um, instead of moving him up to triple a, which I, um, uh, thought it was probably a, a smart decision. Um, just for a powerful guy like that to not get taken in by the powerful environment of the PCL. I think you can kind of get away with some mistakes there if you're a powerful hitter. Um, so they, they kept him in double A and he really performed in his second double A season. 
Um, he, over 128 games, 574 plate appearances, hit 297, uh, averaged 383 on base, 447 slugging. Um, he had 17 home runs, 11.1% walk percentage, 12% K percentage. So, Dropped that his is K for, yeah. really good. Yeah, dropped his K percentage by 8, upped his walk percentage by 2. That's the highest walk percentage he's had and the lowest K percentage he's had uh, in his in his minor league career. Um, and the b- before the season, when I was looking at some of the top 30 prospect lists and they would talk about Naylor, the big knock on him was, yes, he's very powerful. When he gets the bat on the ball, uh, you know, good things can happen. But his pitch selection as far as what he's swinging at and where he's um like where the ball is like he just basically wasn't waiting for his pitch um and that was why he was getting those high k percentages um last year in double a he hit 250 as opposed to this year's 297 so um that's so funny uh so the Padres just kind of just kind of an aside uh, we, we got him in 2016 in 2016 he hit 252 in a ball uh, or high A, and then in 2017 he hit 297 in a portion of that, so 252 and 297. Um, and then in 2017 they moved him up to Double A. He hit 250, but this year hit 297. So it seems like he hits 250 the first time he's there, and then moves up to 297 miraculously each time. Um, so you're saying he's consistent? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just it seems to take him a little while to adjust, but then once he does, um, the the results are are much more positive. Um, so, and, and that was one of the biggest things that the coaches were talking about at the end of this season was that he was, you know, waiting for his pitch. He was being more selective about what he was swinging at. Um, and so for me, I mean, that was a big green flag as opposed to a red flag for, for a lot of players, um, (laughs) is that the one knock on him was something that he went into the season and apparently did a lot of work on because, the coaches were basically raving about that ability that he did not have before um, by the end of the season. And assuming that he has that, because that was kind of his one big glaring weakness, other than the fact that we have a $144 million first baseman blocking him. Um, but other than that, you know, it, it was really just that <coughs> that pitch selection thing that was a big um, issue. And again, along with, you know, because he is a bigger guy, there is some concerns about his durability and, and, and ability to field the position. Some people have talked about maybe having him go to a, an AL team in DH. That might be a better option for him. Um, but if that kind of performance continues, I am interested. And uh, let's say, you know, in a world in which his performance continues to do well and Eric Hosmer continues to struggle, you know, is there a world in which Naylor is possibly our, you know, uh, uh, part time or possibly even full-time first baseman, um, you know, for that 2021 season or whenever the team starts, uh, you know, starts trying to make a deep playoff push. So um, I I guess I'll posit the question to you first, Tony. I, I have some thoughts on this, but I'm curious what you think about it. It's an interesting question, and uh, I didn't know we were going to talk about this until right before we started. So it's True, not like yeah, I, had, I didn't uh, give you a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, but that's good because then you can give your your raw thoughts on it before really kind of bouncing it back and forth in your head. And I think immediately the answer is yes, it's possible. I don't think it's likely though. Uh, I just think 
you see, I don't know, because when I start saying like, no, it's not likely, and then you think about like, well, in 2021, which is, I think, a very realistic year to expect the Padres to be in serious contention, uh, you may argue 2020, but I think 2021, if they're not, then something has gone seriously wrong. So for the sake of this argument, we will say 2021. Um, Hosmer will be, I think he's 28 right now, so three years he'd be in his 31, maybe 32 years old. And if he, for the sake of this argument, you, let's say he's like 250, what he is right now on the year, and he's like 250, batting 250 and still hitting a ton of ground balls. Oh, sorry. I, um, yeah, basically, like, if, it, if it's if it's what he is now, or even if he even gets worse, I think either way would. Oh. Yeah. Okay, if that's the case, I think you would go to a platoon, at least. I think, how can you, because at that point, you have Tatis on the team, you have Urias, you have, hopefully, the outfield figured out by then, you have whoever the third baseman is, whether it's Will or whether it's someone else that comes in, uh, I don't think it would be a prospect at that point. I don't think there's any, uh, unless we draft one. But at that point, I think it would probably be Will or some kind of uh, veteran that was signed. Uh, you look around the field, and everything else is going to hopefully be figured out by then. You'll have a rotation. You'll have catcher figured out, whether it's Mejia, Hedges, or someone else. I think it's almost certainly uh, Hedges or Mejia. But, I mean, you just don't see any other holes that would be on the team if all goes to plan. So if you have an anchor at first base, and you have someone like Naylor, who, if he continues to progress, is going to be a serious bat to have in the um, order, I think you have to think about at least resting Haas. And I think with him being 31, the team can kind of go about it with like, oh, he's getting off days. We're spelling him without it being like, Hosmer sucks. we got to bench him. We've got a young guy who's hungry and can hit. So I think it's possible, but I don't know about full-time. I think that would be a serious... I think the only way that happens is if Hosmer's traded. And I think the chances of that happening are uh, probably pretty slim. His contract, I don't know who would be willing to take that. Then again, who was willing to take James Shields' contract? And look what we got for that. So, I mean, miracles do happen. But I think it is possible that he is not the starting first baseman. Um, I think it is possible that they go to a platoon. I don't think it's likely. What I think is more likely is that Naylor is traded. I really think he is too... If he goes to AAA and he continues to hit the way he has, I think you have to think about packaging him for uh, some kind of starting pitcher, something closer to an ace than the Padres have. Because at that point, if he is hitting that well, Hosmer would have to be extremely bad to put him uh, on the bench in favor of Naylor. And if he can't go to first, then he has to go to the outfield and... Who who is he going to knock out of the outfield? There's already too many guys there right now. So with the information we have right now, that our outfield is what it is, and Hosmer is going to hit between 250 or better, because he hasn't been worse for us yet, uh, I think you just have to assume that he kind of sticks at first base. I think Naylor may spell him sometimes, but I just think it's really likely that he gets traded off. I think he is too good of a potential DH to not entertain that trade thought. Yeah, unfortunately, that that's probably the likely scenario is that he does get traded. Um, and and uh, you know, I've I've definitely I, I'm probably on the he's better off as a DH train. Um, 
although I, I am excited about him, like if he does, you know, continue to develop, that would be fantastic. Um, you know, develop for us. Um, hopefully he's terrible for anyone else that he plays for. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, it, it would be really tough. I'm looking at Hosmer's um, contract. He does have a player opt-out after the 2022 season, but yeah. he would really only want to do that if he thinks he's going to get more money elsewhere, and if he's not Which he's playing not. well, then he, you know, like assuming that he's not playing well, then he's not going to opt yeah. out. Um, and, you know, maybe there's a crazy scenario in which 2022 he does play well and Naylor's developing if he's hypothetically still here. Um, and, you know, Osmer leaves and then Naylor's the new first baseman. But then that would be, you know, he'd be our new first baseman for like 2023 when he's like, what, let's see, he's 21, 22, He'd be 26, 26 by then. Yeah, he'd be gone yeah. by then. Okay. So, um, it would have to happen in a little, it would, we would have to like trade Hosmer maybe next season, like at the end of next season or like something like that would need to happen in order, in order for it to happen. Um, yeah. which yeah, I, I agree is, is quite quite unlikely i think the outfield versatility is nice for nailer um damn mosquitoes um it it is nice but again that you know our outfield is also pretty crowded as well with like reyes and you know renfro and um just all those guys And, and we kind of already have quite a few you know big guys who aren't necessarily the most athletic but hit the ball well that are in the outfield so i don't know if we need more of that necessarily um so it's yeah it's it's probably very very unlikely um i think there is a world in which that could happen i feel like it would have to like eric hosmer is just like super injured which no one's rooting for that so um you'd have to be like on yeah, the 60 adl and then it's like all right well nailer's up um you know but but uh, definitely not rooting for something like that so that would not be fun um yeah, it, it's probably not going to happen. Mostly, I just wanted a reason to talk about Josh Naylor, and this was, like, my way that I could envision it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I'm just I'm just psyched that he's that he's doing so well. Uh, and uh, if he doesn't stick on with us, then, then I hope that he does, you know, uh, do well wherever he goes. So uh, Yeah, nice. I did not know he was playing that well this year. I knew he was having a good, a good year, but... I feel like a lot of Padres fans, whenever Naylor gets brought up, it's like, oh yeah, future trade bait to an AL team. Because it's just, it's so, it's the easiest conclusion to reach. But I think, uh, if not first base, there is a really interesting conversation to have about the outfield. Because we have Reyes and uh, Monster Hunter Renfro right now. And they are both power guys with pretty unappealing defensive traits. But... Uh, Reyes is so young still. I think he's only 23, something like that. And mm-hmm. Renfro is, I want to say, 25. Yes. But Renfro has really turned it around the back half of this year. And it just, uh, as Padres fans, we have to ask ourselves, do we keep Renfro and hope that this sticks or run the risk of trading him away and he's the next player that becomes an all-star that bites us in the ass? I mean, it's so hard. It's a crapshoot. We have no idea. And I'm sure that the front office has a better idea than we do. That's why they're there and we're here. But I am reluctant to give up on Renfro. So if you assume that spot is locked, you assume Reyes or someone else sticks, and then you have Marco, Cordero, or even Jank in center, it's hard to see where Naylor fits in, where he's getting enough at-bats to keep on the team. 
when he could be full-time producing for an AL team that is desperate to have him. So it's really interesting. It's uh, I mentioned earlier that I'm kind of excited for the offseason just to talk to you and Joel about, like, it's going to be all hypotheticals. It's going to be theorizing and kind of talking about the future of the team and, well, what if they do this? What if they do this? What do they think? What do we think they're going to do about this logjam? Or, oh, there's too many young, talented pitchers. It's like, those are fun conversations to have. But it's, we don't know. So Naylor is an interesting player. It's it's going to be interesting to see how it works out. I think Hosmer is on the team for the long haul. I think if this team goes... Uh, towards the championship, I think Hosmer will be on that team. I just don't see a world where we can easily move him. And if the team is playing well, uh, there is an argument to be made that if he's surrounded by better players, it will elevate his game as well. So we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. It'll it'll be fun. I know you and I were talking earlier that um, you know as much as we love watching the games, you know during the season, that especially in a time like this when the team is still. Uh, you know, in flux, and we're still figuring out who's going to play where and who's still going to be on the team. Uh, the off season is also a very enjoyable and fun and exciting time. Um, I mean, especially you know, winter meetings coming up in uh, in just a few months here, and um, I know there will be some some shuffling. AJ is usually pretty active at the winter meetings. Uh, I expect, and I mean, just because he's been on the record about this, I expect that our names will be linked to quite a few players um, and probably some more marquee names than we're used to. So I think this Agreed. this year in particular will be very, um, very fun to just kind of follow the, those winter meetings. Um, I know you did touch on Fran Mil Reyes for a moment uh, or uh, a minute ago, and I do just want to, damn, dude, he is having such a good year. Um, and, I and I didn't even realize how good that it was. And I know he yeah. hasn't played enough to get any Rookie of the Year buzz. But just a quick, uh, 227 plate appearances. Um, that's, that's, that's... Car going by. That, that's about 120 less than Renfro, who has 352. So, I mean, we're really talking like not regular playing time at all. Please oh, yeah. continue with the rest of his stats. No, 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 you're good. I mean, that's and so that's roughly. I mean, if you're uh, if you're hitting top of the order, that's like a third of a season, right there. Basically, we'll say slightly more, yep. but roughly a third of a season. Um, so 227 plate appearances. He's hitting 270 with a 322 on base, 517 slugging, 838 OPS, 15 home runs, uh, only 24 RBI because the team around him can't get on base to save their lives. But, yep. um, but I mean, that's, that's ridiculously good numbers. So, I mean, 227, let's see, yeah, 57 hits, two, uh, seven doubles, 15 home runs, 15 home runs, and, uh, oh, never mind, I was <laughs> mixed up his walks and strikeouts. I was going to be like, 15 home runs and 16 strikeouts, that's amazing, but <laughs> um, but I mean, that is a, that is I think way above anyone's expectations for his rookie season, especially batting average wise. Um, yeah. I, I would have expected a season a lot similar to um, what Renfro's doing right now, where it's you know around the 250, 245 range with that power. But I mean, that's if we want to have fun and and um, you know extrapolate it over a whole season, even though you shouldn't do that. But let's do it for fun. Um, assuming that's a third of a season, that's 270 with 45 home runs, which is like. That's stupid. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you have Renfro even a percentage of that in the opposite corner of the outfield, that is a lot of power. That is a fun team to watch. I'll tell you what, that's a lot of dingers. Yeah. 
that's that harkens back to the days of Phil Nevin and Ryan Klesko, which those were fun times. Oh, those were fun times. I would love to have something like that back. And uh, Reyes is even more fun to talk about because we don't have to talk about like, oh, should we get rid of him right now? Is he? Do we give up on him or keep him like we're having with Renfro with Reyes? It's like, oh, yeah, you keep that guy on the team. There is no reason unless, of course, he's part of a package that gets you a really good controllable starting pitcher i think you keep him on the team i don't see any reason to move him and i think he's proven that he deserves to stay at the mlb level i don't think he goes back down to triple a yeah absolutely i think that's another another name that we see um i I think he's locked in his spot for 2019 as well Uh, i don't see a reason why he should start anywhere uh but in san diego for next season um all right well i think that is about it for the discussion portion of the show um, we got a lot of good Eric Hosmer talk in there. And let me just say too, um, my topic was not because I dislike Eric Hosmer. I, I, and if you've listened to this show, I think, you know, you, you should know that I genuinely, um, or, or generally and genuinely, um, like having him on the team. It's just, I have been very impressed by Josh Naylor this season. So, uh, and, uh, it's just fun to think about the future. So, uh, but that's about it for the discussions portion of the show. And uh, we will now move on, start winding things down, um, and move on to one of our favorite parts of the show, uh, just because it's, you know, fun to talk about stuff we like, and that is the recommendations. Um, We're going to recommend some things to you in hopes that we can make your lives just a little bit better. And Tony, we'll start with you. What do you recommend to the fine folks at home this week? So my recommendation is kind of a shadow of a recommendation that you made a few episodes ago, maybe five or six episodes ago. And you reminded me of that, actually. But I will put a small twist on it. So a few episodes ago, you recommended getting a uh, Nalgene water container. Uh, I am going to recommend getting a Hydro Flask, which is very similar. It's one of those uh, kind of uh, water containers that is in various sizes from like 16 ounces to I think they go up to like 40 or something crazy. And the idea is it keeps the temperature, whatever you put in it, hot or cold, for hours and hours, and you don't use water bottles, which is good for the environment. So that's the initial recommendation, and it doesn't have to be a hydro flask, it can be any kind of like a clean canteen or something like that. The initial recommendation is get some kind of water container that cuts down on plastic water bottles for the environment. However, my follow-up recommendation to differentiate from Johnny's earlier recommendation with the Nalgene is Hydroflask, and I'm sure many other companies, this is not specifically for Hydroflask, I just happen to use them, so that's the brand I keep mentioning. They make a small container that uh, can be used for coffee, and that's what I have been living off of lately. It's, I want to say maybe 12 ounces, little uh, small thing, comes with a lid that you can uh, put on it to keep it warm for even longer, but for me personally, it is the perfect size to keep the coffee warm for just as long as I need it to. I know previously we've talked about uh, coffees or uh, coffee sets and what we kind of been using to make coffee at home and we talked about pour over sets and that's what I've been exclusively using and the only downside to using a pour over set is that as you're preparing your coffee it kind of cools pretty rapidly and I've found that this uh, hydro flask is called hydro flask uh, called like the rocks or whatever that's like the name of the actual uh, container and it is the perfect size pour the coffee in there probably keeps it 
good like hot drinking temperature for about 35 45 minutes for me that is plenty of time to sit at home make my breakfast drink my coffee get out the door to work and what I've been trying to do in addition to having better coffee is also drinking less of it so if I have enough time to have my coffee completely at home I then tell myself no coffee at work and then I just have my one cup for the day and I'm set. So my recommendation is to explore hydro flasks or Nalgene or clean canteen or some kind of reusable container for your liquids. Be good to the environment. I like it, Tony. You know, drinks and adventures are even better on the rocks. With our 10-ounce rocks, you can enjoy rum on Mount Rainier or bourbon <laughs> on Big Sur. Plus, TempShield double wall vacuum insulation keeps your beverage chilled and your ice from melting. It's very nice. I like it. Hydroflask, call us. <laughs> Hydroflask, that's right. <laughs> Send us them. Yeah, ooh, they got a nice, oh man, like, they have this nice, uh, it's called sage, but it's like a, it's, it doesn't seem like a sage green. It seems like a Kelly green almost, but that's a very nice color. And it's on sale. Ooh. Ooh, they've got See some nice it? colors. Mine yeah. is like a, it's like a, Almost like a baby blue. It's like a okay. kind of pastel blue. Yeah, they call it uh, Pacific. That's pretty fair. I would say it's a Pacific blue. Very well named. I like that. I like that. That's a good one. Yeah, I actually, that's a, that is a very good applicable um, one for me because um, I've actually been looking for something like that. I don't have a, I don't have a coffee thermos. For whatever reason, Ooh, as someone who drinks coffee every day, it's very weird. Like I have um, something that I'm—it's like a thermos, but it's more like a soup one. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like that, like that wide but tall. Yeah, I kind of use that, but then it's not—it's not great. Oh, they're retiring this color. I have to get it before they get rid of it. Why would you retire this? Ooh. This is my favorite color, Hydro Flask. I'm upset. I think uh, they've done that before. One of my friends had. Uh, this exact one, the rocks container, and I want to say he had it in some kind of like a, like graphite, like gray, kind of looked like it was uh, worn a little bit. It looked like mm -hmm. it had been used many times, but it, it looked pretty cool. And it was this gray color and they completely retired it. And now they only have like a, like a stainless steel type mm -hmm. color. And yeah. he was extremely disappointed because he lost his container. Uh, he flew with it and he thinks he left it in the airport. And that is a tragedy because now he can never get it again. I know yeah. one <laughs> for like a week, he was actually considering buying a used one on eBay. And I was like, dude, you know, uh, no, you got, you got to let it go. The color is not that important. You have no idea what's been in that cup and you're just come on, get a new one and just forget that color. So if you really love that color, Johnny, you should pull the trigger. I think I should. No, I get it, though, because every time I buy a Nalgene, I generally tend to buy the same, because I'll lose one or two a year, and mm -hmm. um, so I'll buy the same Nalgene color and cap every time just to keep it consistent. So yeah, I don't know. Yep. It, just, it just makes me happy when I see it. So I, I feel you, friend. Uh, uh, it, it sucks when that happens. Um, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna have to maybe maybe purchase this. We'll see. We'll see. Um, my recommendation for this week is uh, one that I didn't expect to to do because for the longest time I really disliked like the whole, um, well, I still kind of do, I don't know, the self-improvement like culture um, and like the, the industry around it, I guess. Like some of it's, obviously some of it's problematic and some of it's like just people trying to make money. Um, which kind of turned me off to it for a while, so I was just very, 
Um, uh, I don't know. I just looked at. Uh, I I didn't enjoy it. I guess. And uh, so my, last year and. Sorry, I'm like starting this all crappy because it's like the, the thoughts are all jumbled in my head. But um, uh, so I, I wasn't really a fan of that so much and, and I didn't really like the um, – I had a job where they would do like a lot of motivational quotes like every day, right? Like they'd send out like little um, emails and there'd be like some motivational quote on it. So after a while, because I didn't like the job, I would just be like, oh, these fucking quotes. You know, it would just be like, just, I don't know, um, generic. Yeah, it starts, generic, starts to feel like empty rhetoric. Yes, corporate inspirational quotes. and um, Meet so that, your goals. Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, that Thanks. was like, it, it was, you know, the, the, the first step to success is the biggest step of the pro. You know, just like, just stuff like that. Oh, yeah. And, um, and so, that, yeah, so I mean, that in particular. I would, so then I was just like, oh. Um, and, but then last year, at a certain point, I was talking to one of my friends, Jake, and uh, I was talking about something that was bugging me, and he's like, you know, you just got to be the change you want to see in the world. And I was like, for for once, I don't know, like, and I don't know if it was because he said it or what, but I was like, that's really good advice. Whereas most of the time when I would hear that phrase, I'd be like, shut the fuck, I hate that, I hate that phrase. <laughs> Generally, I, it, would, it would infuriate me, you know, and um, just because I think it would make me... It would remind me of, you know, that, that, that job and just those types of jobs. You know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of us have had those. Um, oh, yes. And so generally I'm not one. Long story short, I'm generally not one for motivational quotes. But, uh, but my recommendation for this week is, in fact, uh, echoing my friend's advice, which is be the change you want to see in the world. Um, ever since he had told me that, I've been trying to take it to heart a little bit more and just um, instead of being frustrated by things not getting better just being just being better myself basically like so when I'm out and about you know I I, I get very frustrated by the way that people um, who are in customer service jobs get treated like just you know any you know, food service just anything like just a lot of people just get treated oh, yeah. poorly um, so just like going out of your way like if you're frustrated by that don't just be frustrated by that like when you go out and about, and a lot of you probably already do this if you're frustrated by it, but when you go out and about, like go out of your way to be nice to that and not just be nice, but like, like be, I don't know, like, like be human to that, to that customer service person. Like, like if, cause I mean, that's, and that's just a lot of my frustration with it is just, you know, they're uh, kind of treated like robots to a certain extent. So it's like, if you're frustrated by that, like you know, be that change, like be that good person that's in their day. Cause like you will make a difference. Um, and instead of just trying to change other people's minds, uh, just start doing things in the world the way that you like would like them to be done. Basically like if, you know, if, 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 if you're seeing things that are frustrating you and you think people should be acting a different way, like be that person that's acting a different way because more likely than not, other people will just start following your lead and then more people will start doing, like, stuff the way that you think it should be done. Um, and, and uh, you know, maybe that creates a, a world that you're a little bit happier with. And maybe we can feel like we did some some positive change in the world. Um, so that was that was mine for this week. Just be the change you want to see in the world. I generally am not a, a motivational quotes person. I generally dislike them. Um, but that was one where it was, I, I, I think it can actually uh, help quite a few people. I agree. I think that's very well said. Uh, it actually kind of harkens back to a few weeks ago when I recommended tipping your barista or your uh, 
hairstylist or something like that, it goes right in line with what you're saying. Whenever you, or it actually echoes today is when I said, uh, get a hydro flask and just kind of help the environment a little bit. It, it doesn't have to be this giant uh, kind of cataclysmic, well, I guess not cataclysmic, but the opposite of cataclysmic, this sweeping change that changes your life and changes the lives of others. But it's like just little things where you can kind of hang your hat on at the end of the day and just uh, being uh, nicer to service people or tipping your Uber driver or whatever. If they've done their job, that's something that really grinds my gears. Some people complain about Uber drivers because it's just people trying to make a living, man. Mm -hmm. Why are you kicking or uh, punching down? But whatever. Uh, I completely agree with you. It doesn't have to be a big thing. It can be a tiny thing. And at the end of the week, when you kind of think back on what you've done, whether it's uh, tipping or kind of creating more open conversations with people while you're out about town instead of just being like, hey, can I get coffee? Thanks. Bye. See ya. Uh, I think you will feel better about your life when you uh, kind of look back on the choices you've made through the week or the month if you can just enact little changes like that to help others. Totally. We'll make this world a better place one, uh, one interaction at a time. One quarter tip at a time. That's right. That's right. <laughs> They're not getting more than a quarter, Johnny. Spend no, it just, all kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh man, I like it. Uh, all right. Well, we'll we'll uh, we'll finish up the show here and um, plug the ways in which you can uh, you can interact with us. You can reach out to us on our uh, very inactive Twitter account. <laughs> at dads talking dads just because we don't tweet anything don't think that we don't read any mentions or you know stuff like that i go on it here and there and, and check what's going on um you can reach us by email dads talking dads at gmail.com uh, feel free to send us an email let us know what you think of the show if you have any questions um or would like us to talk about anything uh, feel free to send it our way of course you can find us on all the big podcast uh what are they hosts i guess um, Spotify, yeah, services. You know, all those iTunes, yeah, podcast services, uh, you can find us on there, um, and, uh, feel free to rate and review, subscribe, do all of that fun stuff, um, I'm sure we'll talk in the next couple weeks, you, me, and Joel, about once the off-season starts, what our schedule will look like as far as shows, I doubt we'll still be weekly, just because I know there'll be weeks where literally nothing will happen, and there will be, like, very little news other than so-and-so came in to uh, uh, pitchers and catchers reporting. Well, actually, pitchers and catchers reporting will definitely be excited for that. But, you know, in the off season when they start talking about who's in really good shape and stuff like that, probably yeah. not going to get a lot of press. So yeah, I'm, I'm not <laughs> excited about weight watching and all of that. I mean, there, there's fun to be had with kind of hypothetical scenarios. But, I mean, if we do it every week, then by November we'll be like, okay, who do we think is going to be the backup second baseman in 2022? Uh, it's like, okay, we're, we're reaching pretty deep here. So. I do have some ideas on off-season stuff, but I'll, I'll, I'll talk with you guys about that. Um, Sounds good. But, uh, yeah, that is a that looks like that's about it for another week of Dads Talking Dads. Uh, thank you again for listening. Uh, feel free to tell your friends about the show. Um, we will be back again next week. We may have all three people. We'll see. Um, but, uh, but for this week, I am Johnny. I'm Tony. Thank you again for listening and have a great week. <laughs>